Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode is sponsored by SKP Creative, a full-service agency using traditional and digital marketing strategies. One of its specialties is social media. If you're running a business, this quickly changing world can be more than a little tricky to figure out on your own. That's why you need to talk to the team at SKP Creative. They develop data-driven communication strategies to share your story and connect with your audience. Visit skpcreative.com today to learn more and schedule a free social media evaluation for your business. SKP Creative, make it happen. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Broom Optical online at iCareAmarillo.com. That's E-Y-E, Care Amarillo. And to Reform, a physical therapy and wellness center online at re-formpt.com. Learn more and subscribe to Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com and look for the new March-April issue on newsstands this week. Today's guest is Gail Callahan. She's one of those women who has so many inspiring and interesting elements to her story. Right now, she's the CEO of Plains Plumbing. It's a company based in Amarillo, but which has clients literally all over the United States. And we talk about that company and how she ended up in that job in this episode. But she had a long and impressive career before that and even spent time as a corporate pilot. I really like stories that surprise my listeners and surprise me. And I like stories about women in business, and Gail's story hits all of those buttons. So here's Gail Callahan. Gail Callahan, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here today. It's an honor. Thank you for asking me. Well, it's an honor to have you. I, uh, I, I'm really eager to hear more about your story, but I want to start with you the same way I start with all of my guests. And it's just to ask, why are you here? So how did you end up in the Amarillo area? I uh, graduated from a small high school in Colorado, the very okay. southeast corner of the state. And back then, uh, the college that was very appealing to all of us seniors is WT. Hmm. So I came down, interviewed, uh, did get a scholarship, and went all four years at WT, uh, major in accounting, minor in computer science. After I graduated, the job force was very appealing to me here in Amarillo. Okay. I stayed in Amarillo and uh, got my first job. Uh, well, I actually worked through the through the whole four years with my college. Okay, all the way through. All the way through. I worked for the college. We were the first founding members of Campus Services oh, at really? WT. Okay. So uh, that was such an honor. So then after I graduated, I stayed. I worked for an accounting firm, and then I went in from there to an oil and gas firm. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I met my husband and uh, married. And then I obviously stayed and called Amarillo my home. What was the what was the small town in southeast Colorado? Walsh, Walsh, Walsh Colorado. Okay. It's about 150 miles east of, mm -hmm. of Raton. Okay. One of the things that we, we talk a lot, at least guests have talked a lot on this podcast, you know, in situations like yours going to WT, you know, that, that that's a natural place for some of the places in southeast Colorado to, yes. to migrate to. But Colorado seems like far away to those mm -hmm. of us here in the Texas Panhandle. Mm -hmm. Is is there, like, do, do people in that corner of the state identify as Colorado, or is it more identifying as you know plains or, or something like that? Did 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 that feel surprising to want to come 
to Amarillo. No, not at all. Where being in the southeast quadrant, it's closer to the Kansas and Oklahoma mm-hmm. line. It's all ag, agricultural, okay. ranching. So obviously that area similar to here in Amarillo. So no, it's it you're right. We're not in the mountains. Right. We're not in the scenery. But we do have lots of farming. Okay. And Geographically, it feels a lot more like the Panhandle yes. than it does yes. know, any, anything up in the mountains. That's correct. So you you ended up in accounting and then the oil and gas industry. Like, what, what was the time frame for some of that stuff? What was happening in the, the economy during those days? Back then, uh, it was in 73 when I, okay. fall of 73 when I started college. And uh, the oil and gas was very booming. It was just extremely lucrative. So um, I, obviously working with an accounting firm, we had clients that were in the oil and gas. I knew I didn't want to stay in the public sector, so I wanted to go private. Mm -hmm. So I did interview with an oil and gas firm and here in Amarillo and was very fortunate. Unfortunately, I think at the time that I didn't stay in accounting, I went towards the computer. So I was their programmer systems analyst, and I was very blessed to be working for an employer that was diversified. Mm -hmm. He had the aircrafts, he had restaurants, he had the oil and gas, he had a clothing store. What was that company? Earl T. Smith and Associates. Okay. Sleepy Smith. Okay. And I worked for him for 20 years. And because of that, then my goals obviously changed, but uh, I had so many opportunities, and that's where I started flying, um, got my pilot's license, and then I started actually flying for him. Okay. And As like the corporate, corporate pilot? pilot. Uh-huh. All right. uh, but definitely on the low key. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it was, but I was very honored. Um, but he did help me. He uh, did get several certifications. So that is where I knew my love and I knew the love for the area. And uh, it was just went from there. And then uh, my husband-to-be interviewed with the company to install the AC unit for the computer room. You know, back then we were Yeah, you had to have all this cooling and all that kind of stuff. Reel-to-reel and all the AC was under the floor Uh and spatial room. Well, that's where I met him. Hmm. And uh, we were married six months later. Wow. And so that's how I... So what what year did you get married? 82. 82. Okay, so... A couple of things I, I'm really interested in. Sure. Number one, being a computer programmer in the 70s, when probably a lot of businesses like yours were making that very slow transition, transition. from all hard copy files and filing oh. cabinets to computerized documentation. So true. Tell me why you you kind of moved in that direction since you came from the accounting side. Mm-hmm. Was, did that feel like a new kind of challenge? Was that something that you had a good aptitude for? I know it intrigued me. Okay. And at that time, it was the moving. And, and knowing the accounting, and I worked under a CPA, knowing that type of bookkeeping and that type of records, what was needed then to program to move into the computerized okay. bookkeeping, for a back, lack of a better word. So uh, it was there, being at the right time, right place, and I was offered and absolutely, I loved the company, so I wanted to be where I could best utilize my 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 resources. Did it feel like a steep learning curve? I mean, was was it hard to kind of 
learned the, the new technology because that was still being developed. There are things Absolute, changing all the time. Absolutely. Uh, they sent me to schools. Uh, I went to AC. I went to school in Los Angeles. I went to school in Denver. Hmm. But it was like short term. Okay, yeah. But they were constantly trying to, to keep up and to know what to do. So again, they just sent me wherever we could find the best schooling for that particular type of programming. Okay. And that's... How we grew. I am interested in another aspect of your career during that time when you were a corporate pilot, because I, I don't know this for sure, but it seems to me like a female corporate pilot may have been a rarity in that world. Is that is that accurate? Oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. It was, again, uh, a desire that I just knew I loved. I watched airplanes all the time in the panhandle because that's where the Colorado military would fly because it's a no communication zone. Okay. So I would always watch. I would always grew up, you know, out on the farm watching. So I knew my love was there when I wanted to do it. Uh, The instructors were beyond kind Hmm. and beyond supportive. And And see, Mr. Smith was also a, was a pilot himself, a very accomplished and Flew in many areas of, I'm sure, was just phenomenal. So he had my attention. Mm -hmm. And so he helped me as well. And I took out my first loan. Really? To to take lessons or Mm -hmm. to have a, get a plane? No, no. To take lessons. Okay. Just got a bank loan for that. (laughs) Was it, um, did, did you learn to fly in hopes that it might turn into like a career like that? Or did you first learn to fly just because you wanted... No, I actually did have a dream <laughs> to, to go forward. I did get my commercial license, and okay. um, I did. But I think it was just life. That's when I met my husband, mm-hmm. and she, you know, fell in love, and it just kind of prioritized my, my goals again. Okay. So I had to change again. But I didn't give it up. I mean, I, I truly kept, kept the flying up. How many years were you actually a corporate pilot then? 20. 20, 20 years. 20 years. And was that flying like corporate jets? No. Was it just... I co-piloted. Okay. I was very honored. I didn't have the hours <laughs> to, to even be a, a first chair. So I was a co-pilot, but mainly just a radio okay. communicator. <laughs> That's about all I got to do. But on the, on the single engines and a couple of multi-engines, I was able to fly. Was it mostly regional, or did it... Mm -hmm. It was. Oh, we probably... Oh, Colorado Springs or San Antonio in the state of Texas were the main routes that we flew. Tell me how your career progressed then. Uh, When I met my husband, uh, he was uh, with the company, obviously, that his grandfather and great-grandfather started. And he brought me in slowly. I gradually retired from the oil and gas, and then came over and was part of his accounting team. Okay. And what was that? Plains Plumbing. Plains Plumbing. Plains Plumbing Company. And just stayed there forever. We worked together. We went to work every morning and went, you know, every night and loved it. I I just loved it. Tell me about Plains, because I'm putting myself in the shoes of my listeners who... Okay. They'll call a plumbing company, you know, when the faucet's dripping or something like that. And that's a residential company. They'll come and they'll fix that. That doesn't really describe what Plains Plumbing is. So give me a, a little bit of a, a scope and history of that company. 
Well, thank you. It's a mechanical contracting business, and that means it's mainly commercial. Okay. We do do a little residential, maybe 10, 10%, but it's all based out of the commercial part, and that's how the company was truly started from ground up. Um, then about 15 years ago, my husband started uh, the, the boiler division, hmm. and he helped grow, and the team there, they wanted to get into the boiler service, into um, feedlots mainly. It's mainly just boilers. And then also then we kept the division for the HVAC and plumbing for the residential, but mainly for the commercial buildings, but on a service okay. side. As opposed to like a, an initial construction design sort of side, is that? That's the mechanical side. Okay, okay. We don't design, but we do do the mechanical. Okay, and, and so that's, is, is that something that Plains Plumbing had been doing, at least that commercial side, for all of its history? Because mm -hmm. as a multi-generational business, I'm assuming it's been around for decades and decades. When did it start? 1931. 1931. Okay. We're celebrating our 90th year. Um, it started out, I think, with the first generation that had it. They were they mainly worked on windmills. Okay. And uh, did the plumbing out of the People garage. People don't think of that as no. being plumbing all the time, but no, that's but it was. exactly what it is. It was. And then it graduated into the 30s. And uh, when my husband took it over, which was in 84, it was definitely in the, you know, the mechanical construction side. Okay. But I did meet, get to meet his father, but I didn't get to meet my grandfather-in-law. How many employees um, does the business have now? Like, give me a scope of the size of it. Okay, sure. Right now, we paid 44 employees okay. this week. Uh, it can range more or a few less because we're union and we only hire according to job basis and job needs. So the union allows us to be able to bring in when we need help. Or, okay. And w which is, I don't mean to make it sound like it was so easy because every industry here now is truly having a hard time finding workforce. Yeah. But on the whole, it's where we can range up, and, but average 44. And geographically, how much of this area do you cover? On the construction side, we're just in Texas. We okay. just have our Texas license. On the boiler side now, though, we're in nine states. Okay. And that, that boiler part, I think, is something that uh, maybe we should talk a little bit more about. Because if people think of a boiler now, it's like in the context of, well, this really old building has got this boiler. We're afraid it's it's about to go. we got to figure out. You know, it, it seems like an outdated thing. I, I wonder if you uh -huh. could talk to me because I don't know anything about that. So tell me what I don't know about, you know, working on boilers and maintaining them and why it's important. Well, the boilers make feed for feedlots. And so you get up into the horsepower, the two, 400, 600, 800 thousand horsepower boilers. These are huge boilers. Mm -hmm. And uh, they produce the steam that, that produces the grain, you know, that helps make the grain. And uh, it's amazing how humble the feed yards are because they cannot be down. You know, they right. cannot have feed. You know, their loss ratio every day is just, it's just very humbling. So they're very grateful. They're willing to get our men there 
no matter what, we fly them, we either drive them or they drive. Mostly they drive because all their inventory is on their trucks. Hmm. So they have several, you know, several inventory items to be able to work because they don't know what's wrong with the boiler when right. they get there. And they can't go into town because the, there's no stores. There's no boiler store no, there's no to go get the parts, store. right? So it's, it's very, very exciting for them. But, boy, they are a different breed of men. You know, these men are out on the road, you know, thousands of miles mm-hmm. away from home, two weeks at a time maybe. Their families, I know, just are incredibly supportive, and I have my, my heart for what they do. But it's, it's a specialized we saw a niche, uh-huh. and the men grabbed it. They came to to me later on when we wanted to start adding the states. Um, so tell me, with with so many states and, and your company serving you know boilers and, and feedlots in so many places, how how far away? Like, what's the furthest that your employees travel to do that? They are in California, but we are we don't have our license yet, but we're working on it. So they are negotiating. Okay, but while they're there, they're working under another boiler company that has been stumped and they are needing us for consultation. So that's an honor. We are into Wyoming, uh, Georgia. Mm. We're we're licensed in Georgia, uh, Oregon. And they're just like, that expertise is not available? It's there. Texas seems like such a long way to reach out for service, but I, I just wonder how, it seems like a really... A really good niche if that's what you found, that there's not people that can do that kind of stuff. And there are. They're so capable. But we have found that our men will drive all night to be there first hmm. thing at 7 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning to do a boiler inspection or do an actual repair. So because of that, they just know we're dependable. Mm-hmm. I think more so than – but they are. Don't get me wrong. They are so qualified. They're just brilliant. They could build a boiler. Yeah. But I think it's more so their reputation and their their concern and their, their love for what they do. I really do think that is what was their calling card as, of, of everybody. And word gets around. Mm-hmm. The, the It's all one big family. And when you find a good mechanic, you want to stay with them. What percentage of your business does that that section take up? I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I'm working on an analysis, and over the past six years, mm-hmm. they have held over sixty percent. Wow! Of the company, it will go back and forth. I, I promise you. Uh, before that, the construction side was truly, you know, kept the company going. It's it's a partnership, hmm. and the men know and have respect for each other, no matter where what. Department they are right. in. We have lunches There's no together. feuds between your... None. <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful for that. None. And we use each other. But right now, it's been more boiler work. Hmm. But we're, you know, it's it's going to change. Yeah, I sure, know. sure. And, and that, it, it a good business, again. you have to be prepared for the ebbs and flows and how things fluctuate and all that stuff. That is so true. And we're going to be ready. So one of the things that I know is part of your story is is that, you know, you said for a long time you worked in the accounting side. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously now you're the CEO and president of your company. So tell me about how that came about. Yes. Um, nine and a half years ago, my husband died of pancreatic cancer. Hmm. It was very sudden that I was behind the scenes, you know, for so many years. But when he was at MD Anderson and actually in hospice, he made me promise him I would close the doors. 
I promised. And I had the family support. Like close the doors of the business? That's right. Completely. He did not want me to have the stress. He did not want Hmm. me to have the burden. And He was okay with that whole, like the family business kind of ending with him? I think he was more concerned for his family. Hmm. I mean, it, it was, I know it hurt him to say that, I know, but it was more so thinking of us mm-hmm. and thinking what would be best for us. So I, when we uh, came back and uh, I went to work, this normal day, and I went there, well, I was met with pairs of eyes of employees that were not going to waver. They were not going to leave. They, they stayed, they looked at me, and they said, we are here. Hmm. Uh, can we go forward? Can we at least try? And they didn't even know about my promise. Right. I, I, they didn't they know. They just thought, well, the... What's going to happen to okay. us? And so they came forward, and uh, it was right then. I knew that I was grieving. I was just totally uncertain. But, but also, I realized right then I was not the only one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was not my story. It was our story. They wanted to be part of it just as much as I do and not to let it go. So bottom line, <laughs> I broke my promise. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, here we go. Uh, I reached out just like anybody would. Uh, you go to your family for support. You go to your mentors. You go to the bankers, the attorneys, the accountants. You ask for advice. And then you take it in, and then you make a decision whether you're in it or not. Mm -hmm. And that's when in my heart and my mind knew that we were going to go forward. Our doors were going to stay open. And uh, you're right for Simi to have maybe let the legacy go at that point. I also know that there was too much sweat and too much hard work that have gone in for these 90 years to just walk away. Yeah. Just just to walk away. And I know I'm not, I don't have history to Amarillo like all of you, you know, that have grown up here and you have generations behind you. But what I did do is I inherited that history. Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's as much ownership for me to at least try to keep it as part of Amarillo. When... When you began to think, okay, this business is not going to end despite that promise, was, was your thinking that you would lead it? Or did you ever think we need to bring in an experienced CEO or somebody who's got you know a, a history running a plumbing company or something like that? Like, Did you feel equipped to be the person to carry on that mantle or did you think we need to find somebody else? Being s- conceited, um, I had always worked under... Uh, CEOs. Mm-hmm. My father was an incredible businessman, and but I was always in behind the scenes for him. My sister, uh, we were in business with her in Colorado. I was, and but I was in her support. You know, mm-hmm. I was behind the scenes uh, on boards and you know helping her on committees. In Simi, the same way, we made the same decisions when there was any business decision to make insurance, workman's comp. You know. Building, uh, expanding, or decreasing. We were always there together making the same decisions. At that time, I don't know if I made that decision rather than asking someone else to come in, 
But I knew that I knew that company. Mm-hmm. I knew it inside and out. Um, the man came to me and and asked me to stay. Really? So I was very honored. So you weren't in a position of having to convince them. No, hey, this, I this just, should be me. No, I. They wanted it. I, they they wanted us as a family, and they wanted us to stay there. And like they said, give it a try. So I guess no, I never did think about bringing in someone else. Um, but I also know, at, I knew at that time that I had support and I knew I had resources. If I didn't mm-hmm. know, I would be able to go out and get it. And I knew I had uh, professional help in which I did um, constantly. And I begged it. I said, bring it on. Mm-hmm. Just tell me if you see anything, uh, have any advice, which I did. I did receive. So I know that there are a lot of stories about family-owned businesses, multi-generational businesses, that those typically don't last beyond about the third generation, you know? And so... That's true. That's so true. Because of situations like this, you know, somebody either decides to sell or a generation does not want to get into the plumbing Mm -hmm. business or Mm -hmm. boilers or whatever. Um, Statistically, you know, you've you've survived longer than than most. And I wonder how you think about the future then. Um, Good. You know, whether... How long are you going to remain in this position? Good, good point. Good question. It's almost like you you have read my heart. First <laughs> uh, of January, I saw the company and it's growing, mm-hmm. and I'm just so proud of it. And I saw the the men bringing in. When there's work, you find work. Mm-hmm. When when there's when you find work, you get more work coming in. So it, it is on a uh, progressive forward movement, and I see it. And then I look at myself and I think, how am I, who am I to stand here and try to give these men a future for what, five more years of me? Uh, you know, this company is here. Mm-hmm. So that's when my mind took over and uh, I visited. We're all in it together. And I brought in all the employees and I told them, I said, we have a chance for a future, a long term future. What can I do to help you? And they all obviously said, you know, be here. And I mm. said, no, I mean, what can I do to help you to make sure you're here for the next 20 years? You're young. These, these, our employees are young. And we do have the older ones. Well, <laughs> I don't want to offend them, but I'm the oldest. And uh, we need to secure their future because why are they there? Mm-hmm. So... I internally offered it to some employees. Really? For okay. ownership. And it's no secret. You're the first I've no, I've said out in public, but... Um, well, others will hear this, so oh I want to make goodness. sure you're okay. Yes, I'm totally sure. Uh, the contract's not filed. You know, it's not ready. Uh, we're in the negotiation. Mm-hmm. But we will be separating uh, the boiler division uh, and the service, HVAC and plumbing. They're going to buy one. Okay. One side. And then the mechanical side is going to be a whole new company okay. themselves. I did have one request, and I just said, please keep Plains Plumbing in the name. Yeah, yeah. Well, the boiler side has to have Plains Plumbing Company because of all the states we're registered in. It'd be a nightmare trying to re-register. So they will keep the company, Plains Plumbing, and then the new company, I can tell you, will be Plains Plumbing and Mechanical Contractors. Okay. And what's your timeline 
in regards to the business? I mean, are, do you just kind of slowly transition out, or do I you have a hard so. date for retiring, or what? I don't, uh, and that's and I hope that's I'm not doing the wrong thing. But in my goal is I want to make sure they make it. I want to yeah, make sure they yeah. they are going to make it. I know they will, but I'm going to stay on. Uh, I guess as consulting. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> uh, I'll stay on as long as they want me to, but also as long as I still have a hand in it financially, a mm-hmm. responsibility, for sure. I'm going to stay there, and I'm going to make sure that I can help in any capacity that I possibly can, um, whether it will be, surely it won't be more than two or three years. I mean, I can't even see that because I can see them transitioning into it and in making a go of it themselves, but I will be there. Does it, it, it seems like the right time for the business. Does it feel like the right time for you personally? Oh, what a question. Um, uh, no, it, it seems like, like do you, you don't feel quite no, ready to retire. I'm not yet. ready. Right. I'm not ready. It's just like, I'm having fun. It's just, it's just incredible. Uh, you know, to, to see the men and see them be so successful. And, uh, even on the construction side, I love to go to the job sites and I love to just watch them work. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't do anything, but just support them. But in that respect, but my business mind, I know we've got to do something for the future. Mm-hmm. You've got to do it. And you've got to take care of these families. There's not only the men, but their families. So it's the right thing to do. And I'm I'm getting there. I'm mentally. <laughs> I I can imagine how difficult of a transition that might be, though. I mean, just uh-huh. even for people who have worked all their lives, and then you get to a point where you're like, okay, it's it's okay to not you know go clock in somewhere or put in mm-hmm. these hours. That's a hard transition to make. It will be. I've been there forty years. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I feel so comfortable in being able to say it's going to be all right. Hmm. I, I want to ask one question. Sure. And you refer to the employees as the men. I wonder if you've had any female employees who have gotten into the the trade, or have you we seen have. that? I think I misspoke there. Uh, we have. We've had a female plumber. Uh, we have one female that uh, at the very beginning, maybe, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago. And then now we have an incredible female plumber on the service side. And people are asking for her. Hmm. And she's she's this tiny little... 100-pound plumber, but she drives this huge van that has every bit of the kitchen sink in it, Mm -hmm. and she is a fireball. She goes out, and we are so proud. So we do have females, and I think it's going to get more. I was going to say, it has been a Mm male-dominated profession, but I've heard stories about how that's starting to change. Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious. Yes. Being, you know, the the boss of the company as a woman, if if you'd seen that in in your own business. Yes, I have. And I have experienced it, too, as being female. But there are things you can do to benefit yourself. In the business, being female, you could go out and get your hub certification, your historical underutilized businesses. Okay. And because of that, you will be, I'm not saying will be definitely considered, but it's a plus in your resume on bidding government jobs. And right, on bidding, right. Uh, it gives you a leg up because oh, they're looking for diversity in their contract. And they have to have that. And so, boy, you bet. First year, I went after it. It took me a year, mm-hmm. a whole year to get it. We got it. So 
there are things that can be, you think, well, I'm handicapped. Well, turn it around and say, well, no, there are things that I can do to even help the company more than be a a detriment to them. And then the other thing would be there's an organization called uh, WASP, Women Owned Small Businesses. Okay. And that too, it looks good. It it's not necessarily the the calling card why you get it, but if they know you're serious and you know they know you're there, it helps. It's a tool, yeah. Why it's not use that tool. tool? So there's always things you can do, but yes, I, the first I must share with you right quick. The first thing I went to my mentors, trying to make a decision. The very first mentor I went to, and professionally, he was very honest with me. He said, "You know, there's no shame." In walking away. There's no shame in saying, I can't do it. He said, you'll still have your honor. You'll still have the respect for what you did, but walk away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's what that's what your husband wanted you to do, right? <laughs> well, that was the kick I wanted <laughs> that to say, oh, no, yeah, I'm not giving up. But uh, it's just things like that that, ironically, it turns the situation around. It mm-hmm. turns your fear into a focus point, and that's what happened. It just that instant, it just got furious, you know, like, no, we can do this. And that's what really was the turning point for me to say, I'm sorry, Simi, but I'm not going to keep my promise. <laughs> This episode is also sponsored by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist since I was in college, and that was a long time ago. And he's taken care of my kids' teeth, too, ever since my kids came along. He's a national speaker on Invisalign, using that technology to improve his patients' smiles and positioning. I think Amarillo is really lucky to have Dr. Sauer's knowledge and expertise around here. Follow Shimon Dental on Facebook to learn more or visit shimondental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. Back with Gail Callahan of Plains Plumbing. Gail, this is the part of the show I call 8 Straight. 8 Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. I know you're familiar with it. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes multiple prehistoric fossils discovered in Paladuro Canyon, including some from saber-toothed cats, giant land turtles, and mastodons. You can learn more at panhandleplains.org. Okay, one question that I've, I've been asking my guests over the past 18 months or so is, what's one thing the pandemic has revealed to you about local people? Well, uh, the one thing that is the most important to me is to recognize the medical competency, the inoculations, the, the information available so readily to us as a community, it revealed that how our community can come together and I the driving needs of the community uh, exposed the upgrades even in what was needed in the areas like hospitals or the clinics or whatever or for the personal protection equipment. But it was so professionally and, and efficiently and effectively uh, rectified And in doing that, they offered the best they could ever do for not only the employees, but the patients. Mm -hmm. And what I really, really did see was that Amarillo did deliver. They delivered safe, they delivered effective, and they delivered incredible accommodations for administering the vaccination. And we got recognized for that. Yeah, nationally. And and it was it was just I got goosebumps now. It's just so proud and and to be proud of that. So that's what I think it revealed as our community. Yeah. 
one thing I, I, I'll, I'll think back about it and I'll be like, you know, 2019, I didn't, I didn't even think of public health no. as a concept. I didn't know who was in charge of it for the city. I didn't know all the people at the hospitals. That's and now true. like we, we know all, all those folks by name because <laughs> we see true. them all the time, but we can also see, you know, uh -huh. how well they've done mm -hmm. when their jobs required them to at a moment of crisis. And so I, I think Emerald has really been the beneficiary of having such professionalism, such competence, you know, yeah. at those at those positions. No, no doubt. You have no argument. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. Okay. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? <laughs> I took away I the really easy answer, so <laughs> you got to come up with a harder one. I am really stumped on this one, and I really am. Um, well, the only thing that comes to my mind is the reconstruction of roads. Mm -hmm. uh, I really have no no reason to complain, Jason, because I know it's needed, and I know that it was long overdue. And I know it's just the sign of growing pains for progress. Right. But if I had to say something, it sure does bother me. <laughs> you know, the, the the conversation I've had before is that, you know, now our 10-minute commutes yes. take about 18 minutes. <laughs> And that just makes local people furious, you know, when we're horrible, we're not comparing ourselves to <laughs> Dallas, where it's like 45 minutes on a good day with no construction. So mm -hmm. that's so true. Yeah. What does this area not have enough of? I guess I, I continually think of what you're doing and what the community is trying to do is to expose Amarillo. And I think the need for the community outreach programs that publicize how great the city is. Mm -hmm. It is little known outside of our city limits how much this area really has to offer. And for you to do what you're doing and to, to keep the knowledge open for all the outsiders, I think that maybe needs to increase. Mm -hmm. And good for you. Because well, you're being part of that, part of that. And that's that's what I truly feel. And I I'm always impressed with the folks like the uh, the CVB, you know, their job is to advertise Amarillo, you know, outside this area or to get the people passing through to stop, you know, for at least one more night. And I feel like we've got more positive momentum in that direction than maybe we've had in the past. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that that's starting to change. I do too. The microcosm of, a, of what we know inside, mm -hmm. um, it, it needs to be known more. Yeah. Because there is. There is more to know. How do you describe this area to, to people, you know, Outside the region, maybe maybe you're talking to a client in California or Georgia, <laughs> and they're like Amarillo. Like, where is that? Well, Amarillo is a thriving community. It is a community that we provide services to not only Amarillo but to the entire Panhandle. Mm -hmm. It's just not Amarillo. It's 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 a hub. We are a hub that help all the local cities, even to the Oklahoma Panhandle. You know, the southeast part of Colorado, New Mexico, um, for medical needs, for retail needs. It is, a, it's a place for all ages. Mm -hmm. And I think that needs to be expressed to anybody that it's just not Amarillo. Okay. What's your favorite neighborhood in the area? Oh, I can tell you that. My favorite Am Amarillo neighborhood is the revitalized downtown area. Okay. I love that. I love, I, you know, 40 years ago when I first came, my, the office I worked in was right downtown. Mm -hmm. And to see the transition of what it's, it's now looks like. It's well, and doing. you saw, you saw the, the 
low point of that too. Oh, I mean, if you were yes. there in the seventies and eighties, it was still thriving, and then it kind of mm-hmm. declined, declined for a while, and now it's come back up. That is so true. But and I can't compare it to the history. I mean, we're talking history back, but I did see it in in my era that I was here, and I I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. What's your favorite local restaurant? <laughs> There's so many. Um, well, there's a wide variety. I must give credit to all of them. <laughs> and I also know that I recognize that there's all kinds of price ranges available to us. That's so true. That plays an important part of, of my mood of when I want to go eat. <laughs> so, But I'm my favorite, I would have to say Coyote Bluff. Okay. And uh, I really like the old... The, what is it? The Ye Old Pancake Station. Okay, yeah. That two I very classic Amarillo restaurants. can't get away from them. I just love those two. Okay, those, those are both good options. Yeah. A great place to uh, to take visitors to the area, well, for sure. Well, that's true. What's your favorite local coffee shop? Roasters. I don't know. I just, I started there. I started with them, and they're going to be my favorite. Is there a certain location you go to most Georgia. frequently? Georgia. The one okay. on Georgia. All right. Mm-hmm. And when was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? Well, there I'm embarrassed. I must have actually be honest. I have never actually driven up to and stood next to that 10-car art farm. I have never gotten Cadillac out of Ranch. my truck. No. But, you know, being located close to I-40, I have been by it a million times. And the one thing that I have noticed is that the artwork changes every day. And if, or I, for my instance, it'd be like once a week I mm-hmm. see it. And that's what amazes me. But every time I do go by, there are people there. All the time. All the time. It's always, well, it, if I ever drive by and there's like one car, uh-huh. I think, oh, what's wrong? So, something's happening. Is it a terrible day outside? Is, totally Is the, the traffic backed up on I-40? <laughs> there's got to be a reason for that. There, but it is, it is a jewel. Uh, Gail, that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? Well, my heart uh, actually obviously is with the cancer center. Any any kind of a cancer, uh, my whole family's been affected by it. And I just, the nasty disease, I just, I just hate it. But I do reach out for anybody if they could help the cancer. And then the other is my love now is the the Panhandle Museum. Yeah. I am loving it. And like you had mentioned on all the facets of assets that they have, um, it's incredible. And so, and it's history. Yeah. It's Amarillo history or Plains Panhandle. Well, and history since long before Amarillo was That's even here true. too. That's true. So those two would be my 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 heartfelt uh, organizations to reach out to. Okay. Gail Callahan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I You're appreciate quite it. welcome. Thank you, my honor. Thank you. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Gail for the interview. You can learn more about her business at plainsplumbing.com. I also want to thank my sponsors, Shimon Dental, SKP Creative, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review or leave a review on Facebook or write your review on a sign and put that sign in your yard next to all the political signs. It really doesn't matter to me. Any of those options are very much appreciated. As usual, this podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you. So thank you for listening. And also the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, 
Jason Burr, Patrick Burns, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 237. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.